We'd like to welcome you back to our emergency freedom alerts. This is part two for February 15th, 2021. And uh, I forgot, I, I cut off the last part a little bit. There was a couple more paragraphs. I'll just go ahead and read those now and then we'll, we'll get into the next part. This is regarding what is making, um, creating a lot of the mass demon infestation. Okay, we just went over those points in the last part. It ends by saying, when you put this together, you realize that a majority of Americans are now cognitively poisoned beyond any point of rationality. Recently, a woman who ran out of hairspray, spread Gorilla Glue, crossed her entire head, and then couldn't figure out why the glue wouldn't wash out in the shower. But that's not the mass mental illness I'm referring to. In response to this, people donated $15,000 to her GoFundMe account and who knows what it is now, and nearly 700,000 followers joined her on Instagram. So the woman has now hired a manager. She also hired an attorney to sue Gorilla Glue because she thinks the product label is mislabeled. You, you can't even... It's just, you, you can't even comprehend. This is mass mental illness of the population being demonstrated where people are attracted to insanity and stupidity and end up supporting it. Yet her story isn't unusual anymore. People are insane everywhere, and that includes the U.S. Senators, the so-called journalists, and even the authorities at the FDA and the CDC. We are no longer living in a world ruled by rationality, morality, and clear thinking. The world has collapsed into insanity, immorality, and demonism. Yeah, I agree. That's some Bible verses. Uh, Proverbs 3 through 7. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So, you always want to be operating in a spirit of mercy and seeking truth, okay? Particularly in light of 2 Thessalonians, <laughs> where it says, For this cause God will send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, which is the norm now, Okay? Then next verse, so thou shalt find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So we're not to lean to our own understanding, to trust in God. We, if When we acknowledge him, it says, if we acknowledge him in all our ways, then he will direct our path. So if you want direction from God, which I think we all want that, Make sure you're giving God the credit that is due him in your life. And there's all kind of amazing things you can give God credit for in your life, I'm sure. You could think of those things. And then it says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So there's just really good, solid advice. Now, we're going to switch gears here. And um, this part is entitled, they are begging for the Antichrist to show up now. This kind of mass witchcraft may really get the satanic ball rolling. Worldwide Jewish Moshiach prayer on February 21st, which, you know, probably by the time you hear this, it's still going to be before that date. So this might be something you want to add to pray against. Okay, now they're openly admitting to this, and we're going to get really going to expand on this um, in this next part of this teaching. And this is from this group. Uh, World Jewish Prayer for the Mosiach, February 21st. They're announcing this online. 
and this is their advertisement for it. This, this is their really uh, whiz-bang advertisement for it. Breaking news. A historical world event is happening just before Purim on Sunday, February 21st. At the exact same moment, all around the globe, an emotional, heartfelt call will arise from all Jews to heaven for Mashiach to reveal himself. Observant now, you have to understand, Mashiach is the Antichrist. That's who they're... they're they, they killed the Son of God, okay? They said, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, the murderer, let his blood be upon us and our children. Now, granted... This is not being anti-Semitic. I've done a whole teaching on this, the biblical cause for Jewish affliction. When that happened collectively, a spirit of blindness came on the Jews. Okay, now, not all, but most. And even the Bible says in the New Testament that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And the fullness of the Gentiles, we're close to that. I mean, I think that's going to take place during the, the tribulation or maybe near the start of it. That's God's economy. I don't know. But um, the Moshiach that they're waiting for is going to be the Antichrist. He's going to be the one where they rebuild the third temple, probably at his behest, probably with him finally taking down any of the opposition to that away. Okay. And at the midpoint of the tribulation, he's going to walk into the rebuilt temple where they're doing animal sacrifice like they were doing in the Old Testament. And he's going to commit the abomination of desolation that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 and Daniel talks about. And he's going to proclaim himself to be God. He's going to go into the Holy of Holies and proclaim himself to be God. Okay, He's going to commit that abomination of desolation. He has to have a rebuilt temple for that to happen. They're begging for this, their awaited sa Savior, the Moshiach, to come back and that is the antichrist Observant. now they would never a jew would never admit that but that's what it is Ashkenazi, sephardic hasidim all jews as so one every sect of judaism they're appealing for put down all your your little denominational rifts and and things and we are in one and again this whole what you're you what we're seeing a lot with the super bowl thing with this unity well what it what is the one world religion it's all it's all the religions coming together guys it's all so whenever you're seeing these big calls for unity and you're seeing mass global prayer for unity and mass call for all these things understand that is a we're, we're getting very very close to you know that tribulation period starting most likely where you're going to have a one world religion, you're going to have a one world government, you're going to have a one world political system, you're most likely going to have a one world currency. That's where we're moving. Whereas Jesus says, come out from among, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. In, in his word, okay? Second Corinthians. So, 14 I believe. Um, we're to come out from among them. We're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but were to reprove them. Come out from among her and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Um, wherefore, come out from among them and be not partakers of her plagues, the whole Babylonian world system. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. Whereas any movement that's telling you, no, no, we need to come together. We need to get in unity. 
most likely they're on Satan's team. Now, I'm not saying the, the remnant shouldn't be in unity praying against this and praying for, you know, God's righteous judgments to be in the land and for all, all the other things that need to be prayed for. That is good. But this is not. <laughs> but the Bible predicts it. Even you famous Jews, let's be the actors, witnesses of this better world that we so much hope for. They do this big commercial and this big dramatization where they're, it's all about this everybody coming together and praying together. Pull over, pull over. So, in, in, in other words, they're, they're, this whole commercial is where they're going to the 21st of February, which is going to be Sunday, okay? Next Sunday. And they're, um, they're acting like it's then. They're acting like it's the 21st of February. And they're saying, oh, pull over if you're on your bike or, or if you're in your classroom or if whoever. It's time to say the prayer. It's time to do invoke and do mass witchcraft on a worldwide level. It's time to invoke the Moshiach. It's time to pray for the Antichrist to come. Habib. So it shows them master of the universe. That's how it starts out. What a, a master of the wasn't there like a cartoon masters of the universe? Like it sounds like a Freemasonic prayer. Oh, great architect of the universe. These this is Lucifer. They're praying praying to. They're not praying to Father God and Jesus Christ. Master of the universe. We, the children of Israel, all united. At the same moment, all over the world, I'm just going to read it to you as it's coming up here. We are crying out to you, Satan. Oh, sorry, I added the Satan in. Um... So you're going through all these different scenarios where where people are, it's it's time to pray and it that in they're trying to coordinate all their smartphones so that they're all praying this satanic invocation. Now we're going to get to this later, this satanic invocation, because I've talked about this before. Okay. And they're all going to try to coordinate their their time their time uh, schedules to where they're all praying at the same time. Unis dans le monde entier en ce jour, nous crions vers toi. I'm sorry, this is a horrible video to try to play, but I, I there are some points in here that I want to try to get across here, and um, I'm just kind of fast forwarding this. They're just showing all these people in these different scenarios, and they're saying, "Here, Israel, Hashim R G O D." Hashem, R-G-O-D. Hashem is one. Now, we're going we're gonna to look at those words. The whole Hashem. And we're going to look at that when, when you see this use of G-O-D, like they're not saying the whole name of God. Okay, now this is ingrained in Judaism. Now, this gets into the whole sacred name thing, which I've done three-part study on. Okay, I'm going to give you the links to that. But I'm also going to cover a part of that today because it's it's very applicable to what we're talking about here. 
So I'm just kind of fast forwarding here a little bit um, and looking at this stuff. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the five minutes, all the Jews from around the world. Bonjour, ici Paris. Montre réglé, nous sommes tous préparés pour cette prière. All watches are set for this prayer. To you in Rome, to you. And so they want to really coordinate this mass witchcraft, is what they're really, really, really trying to do. Millions of Jews are praying. This demon-possessed rabbi that looks like he is so demon-possessed that, I mean, I, you can't even fathom how many demons this guy's got in him. So he's saying the prayer is said at the same time. Uh, I can't even hardly look at this, guys. Obviously, it's something that will create a blast in heaven. He means a blast in hell. It hastens and brings the Moshiach. May this world prayer be joined by everyone. And Moshiach will come and Hassam. Hold on, hold on. We're going a little too fast there. And Has, with Hassam's help. So they're saying the Antichrist is going to come with Hassam's help. Amen. And then here's another rabbi praying here. One day we'll all listen to Hashem's words, and Mo the Moshiach will come. Do not waste this opportunity. And um, this guy's saying whatever he's saying in French. All Jews as one contribute to this. The idea we all pray together at the same moment uh, for the redemption and empower our prayer with the with exceptional strength. And. I need everyone in the world to pray. I want peace for all the children in the world. Please, Hashem, bring Moshiach now. Bring Moshiach now. So they got all the little kids praying for the Antichrist to come. Set a reminder on your phone. Flyers in the description and on Facebook. And it's, uh, we'll, we'll cry out for one, Moshiach. Uh, it's, it's Israeli time, 1800 hours, Sunday, February 21st. Children and adults with strength to the master of the universe. Mm. Please, before praying, please give a coin. <laughs> so, has something to do with this final redemption. Now, okay, so we have that. I, I don't really want to play much more of this. It's basically over anyway. Um, you can watch the full video. I'll give you a link to it. Now, traditional Judaism teaches the Messiah is to be the direct descendant of King David. The Moshiach is who they're talking about here. The Messiah, the Moshiach. Um, and he will be anointed as the new Jewish king. In fact, the Hebrew word for Messiah is Moshiach, meaning anointed one. Okay, now, in this video, they use the word Hashem quite a bit. Okay, and Hashem is the one that's going to bring Moshiach, the Antichrist, according to them, according to these rabbis. Okay, now, what is Hashem? The short answer is Hashem means the name in Hebrew. Okay, quote the name. When reading the Torah, Torah or praying, Jews who come across the name of God transliterated, they say into the English word W Y W. I'm sorry, Y H W H. Okay, that four-letter word will substitute the word Adonai. For it. In other contexts and in casual conversation, Jews who encounter God's name will substitute Hashem instead. Now, what they're coming in contact with, they're saying, is this word, is this four-letter um, word, 
YHWH, which is also known as the Tetragrammaton, which we're going to talk about. But there is no biblical reason to use Hashem in place of God's name. No passage in scripture instructs, instructs us to not use his name. In fact, if God didn't want to use his name, he wouldn't have given it to us. Now, I give you my four-part teaching here on the sacred name in the Hebrew Roots Movement exposed. It's a four-part study. I did this oh, back in 2010. And I'll just read you the... Um, I'll read you the table, the uh, description of the study. Have you found eternal salvation through the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you found true deliverance from your old sinful past and the world and its pleasures in this most precious name? What about the reality of a peace, the reality of the peace of God and the assurance nothing can separate us from the love of God? Have you seen lives changed, miracles wrought, families restored, and others responding toward, towards God at the preaching of this name above every other name? But what if someone came along and said, this name you have, that you have been saved under and set free by is not the correct name at all, but a misnomer? What if someone came along and said, the wonderful name of your Savior, Jesus Christ, was a corrupt Greek name derived from the false god Zeus? How would you react? I mean, this you couldn't really undermine the faith of Christianity any more than attacking the name of Jesus Christ, right? Well, that's why this is being done. Okay, what if, what would your response be? What if you were told the true name of God could not and should not and ever be uttered, which we're going to get to that, and substitute the name of God for the name Yahweh? Because that's what's going on, okay? Beware, this is exactly what is happening in many spheres of Christendom today. Through sources of the uh, new Hebrew roots, the messianic and sacred name movement as it infiltrates into the body of Christ. And that's why I've done so many teachings exposing the Hebrew roots, the messianic and the sacred name movement. Just key in Hebrew roots, sacred name, key in hexagram, key in Sunday versus Sabbath. And when I put those studies out originally, I took more heat on those than any other studies I had ever done. Because the vehement hatred from those groups that came after me. Now, this is a four-part teaching, okay? So if you're not aware of this, you really should listen to the four-part teaching, okay? But I'm going to go ahead and do a little excerpt, kind of more of an updated excerpt from part of that four-part teaching. And I'm entitling this part, the Tetragrammaton, the YHVH, IHVH, G-D, Yahweh, Yah, we're addressing all that, okay? The Tetragrammaton is significant not only in Jewish beliefs, but also in Kabbalism and Freemasonry. Okay, that's what you have to understand about this, is that it is used, there's such an occult linkage here. And this is what we're going to uh, attempt to do right now, is to show you that. So you can understand why this is really a big deal. The Tetragrammaton, or Tetragram, in Greek, me, meaning is a consisting of four letters, a four-letter Hebrew word transliterated, transliterated, sorry, I can't talk tonight, Y-H-W-H, and is the name supposedly of the biblical God of Israel, supposedly. Now, we're going to be looking at that, okay? The four letters read from right to left are Yad-He-Wah-He. 
while there's no consensus about the structure and etymology of the name, the form Yahweh is now accepted almost universally. Of meaning, instead of saying this four-letter in ineffable name, which they believe you can't pronounce it, they believe you should never pronounce it, okay? They just use the word Yahweh. Yahweh was the national god of the kingdoms of Israel, Samaria, and Judah, with origins reaching at least to the early Iron Age and apparently to the Bronze Age. In the oldest biblical literature, what is Yahweh? He is the storm and warrior deity who leads the heavenly army against Israel's enemies. At that time, the Israelites worshipped him alongside a variety of Canaanite, pagan, devil gods and goddesses. So right there, that's a, that's a pretty big red flag, okay? From antiquity, Yahweh was known as the storm and warrior deity, okay? That led the heavenly army against, and at the same time, the Israelites worshipped him, Yahweh, alongside a variety of Canaanite gods and goddesses, including the god El, the god Asherah, and Baal. Oh, well, there's no problem there, right? You could commingle all this stuff together. God doesn't see any problem with that. <laughs> El was the supreme god of the ancient Canaanite religion. But in later centuries, El and Yahweh became conflated. What does that mean? Conflation is the merging of two or more sets of information, texts, ideas, opinions, etc. into one, often in error. So that I'll just we'll combine El, the the supreme god of the ancient Canaanite religion, with Yahweh, the storm and warrior deity. We'll just combine them together, okay? And the El link symbols became applied to Yahweh alone, meaning they're commingling all these different aspects of these different gods in their pagan system, which happens all the time if you look at things like. The worship of like Diana and Aphrodite and then Mary. Okay. These are all just different. They're, they're all really the same deity. It's just depending on the, on the, on the various time and the various culture that it's applied in Greek, Roman, Jewish, whatever the names change, but the devil stays the same. Okay. That's what we're dealing with here. Happens all the time. And they try to, in that zeitgeist thing, they try to equate like Jesus with all of these pagan. And I go through, if you've never heard my teaching on the zeitgeist, and I systematically dismantle that whole thing. Because Jesus never had anything to do with any of this. Okay? And you can key in zeitgeist at contendingfortruth.com. Anyway, the L, in time, the L, the L, meaning the supreme god of the Canaanite religion, L-linked symbols came applied to Yahweh alone, and other gods and goddesses such as ba Baal and Asheroth were absorbed into the Yahwistic religion. Did you know there was a Yahwistic religion? Yeah, Yahwism. Yahwism was the religion of the ancient kingdoms of Judah and Israel, Samaria. Yahweh was one of the many gods and goddesses of the pantheon of gods of the land of Canaan. The southern portion of which would later become called the land of Israel. Yahwism thus evolved from Canaanite polytheism, 
meaning worship of many gods, all evil and devil and wicked. So it was just evolved from Canaanite poly polytheism, which in turns makes Yahwism the monolatristic primitive predecessor stage of Judaism in its evolution into a monotheistic religion. Now, you'd say, well, hold on, what about the Old Testament when God was dealing with Israel and they were, okay, there were times when Israel repented and actually was right with God. But there was also a lot of other times when Israel was not right with God and totally strayed from God and totally went and served other gods. More so the, the, the latter than the other. I mean, was, was Israel, if, if you look at the time that Israel became a nation, Okay, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes. Okay, from the time Israel became a nation, were like up until the time when Jesus was born, were they, was, was the majority of that time where they were right with God or was it where they were not right with God? And I would argue that they were not right with God the majority of that time. And the exception to the rule was when they were right with God and actually serving him. So it's easy to see how this could happen. Despite modern Judaism and Yahwism both being the veneration of Yahweh, which you can't argue that. Judaism is where we get, you know, is where this all stems from, the whole use of the word Yahweh. The distinctions between the two belief systems are quite clear, unlike the religions that would descend from it. Yahwism recognized Yahweh as the national God of Israel, but nevertheless gave acknowledgement to the existence, although not necessarily the worship, of other gods of the ancient Semitic religion as well. Well, then we know that it's false and that it's evil. When Jesus came to the planet and it was born and dealt with the Pharisees and Sadducees, was Judaism in a good place? Were they right with God, the Pharisees and Sadducees? I mean, he called them serpents and vipers and, and you know, went after them. It was the, it was the only time, that, really the time you see Jesus getting mad and angry is when he dealt with the Pharisees and Sadducees the religious leaders of the day that were bringing all this false and pagan garbage and religion into and extra biblical teachings and bringing the Jews into bondage with it. And this is just how we arrived there, essentially. What I'm telling you is how we arrived there. Let me read the last sentence again. Yahwism recognized Yahweh as the national God of Israel. Okay. Um, now, remember, in the oldest biblical literature, Yahweh is the storm and warrior deity. Who, okay. So, who leads the heavenly army against Israel's enemies. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that time the Israels also worshipped him alongside a variety of Canaanite gods and goddesses. I kind of doubt that if Yahweh was God, that he wouldn't have a problem with, he would lead them into battle, okay? But at the same time, they're, they're worshipping a variety of Canaanite gods and goddesses, including El, Ashroth, and Baal. 
No, 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 no. God doesn't work that way. He's not going to, and you can read the Old Testament and find that out. You're not going to, you're not going to worship Baal. A king is not going to worship Baal and expect to have favor in battle from the God of the Bible. It's not going to happen. God does not operate that way. So, Yahwism recognized Yahweh as the national God of Israel, but nevertheless, God gave acknowledgement to the existence, although not necessarily worship, of other gods of ancient Semitic religion, or more specifically of the other gods of the Canaanite pantheon, which Yahwism emerged from, such as Baal, Moloch, Ashtaroth, and Astarte. All of these deities you would perform child sacrifice to, particularly Baal and Moloch. So, Yahweh, this whole thing with Yahweh is intertwined with Baal, Molech, Ashtaroth, Astarte, all the things the Bible condemns. So how can we say it's good? How can we possibly say that's the God of the Bible? It's not. It's not. And that's why I cringe when I hear people using the word Yahweh in regard to God. During the Second Temple period, speaking the name of Yahweh in public became regarded as taboo. Jews began to substitute the divine name with, they called it divine, I would call it evil, with the word Adonai, meaning Lord. And after the temple was destroyed in 70 um, uh, AD, the original pronunciation was forgotten. Outside Judaism, Yahweh was frequently invoked in Greco-Roman magical texts, meaning witchcraft, from the second century uh, uh, AD, or no, BC, to the fifth century AD. See, they, they got to change everything. They, it's before common era. It's before Christ and AD, basically. They, they're trying to always get you away from the birth of Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, so let me read that last sentence again. Yahweh was frequently invoked in Greco-Roman magical texts from the second century BC to the fifth century AD under the names of... Leo, Adonai, Sabaoth, and Eloi. Okay. The Kabbalists taught that this name was too sacred to be spoken, thereby depriving the Jews of the name of the Lord. The Tetragrammaton refers to what the Kabbalists and many Orthodox Jews call the ineffable name, meaning you're not supposed to say it. The four-lettered name of God, they say, is yad he Vahi. Or in English capitals, YHVH, although some occult sources say it's IHVH. Others also state that it's this other derivation. According to various writings, the true pronunciation is now unknown since it has been believed the name was too sacred to be written or pronounced by the profane, even though they themselves were total pagan devil worshippers. Okay, telling you this. In reading the sacred writings, the term Adonai was substituted for, for that reason. The, the, that teaching is also why the Hebrew roots and Messianic adherents write God as G-D. Because they say you can't say or even write the name of God. So you have to write it G-D. No, There's no Bible for any of this stuff. And I see that a lot too. That's why I just, I avoid all this Hebrew roots stuff like the plague because i see what it does to people and i see how it corrupts them i i've got a lot of experience with it first-hand friends that got into it i mean i was exposed to it big time 
So, in her Theosophical Glossary, high-level Luciferian Satanist Madame Blavatsky provided the esoteric meaning of the word IHVH, which is this tetragrammaton. It's, a, it's another way of saying it. YHVH and there's IHVH. Madame Blavatsky, okay, the, the, one of the most high-level occult Luciferian Satanists of the 1800s, okay, provided the esoteric meaning of this word according to the Seraphat of the Kabbalah, which is the highest level of Jewish magical witchcraft, and it's also part of that secret doctrine. The whole concept of the name of God being unknown and unutterable, which is contrary to scripture, is promoted also by the Hebrew roots and many messianic proponents, although their use of the term G-D and Y-H-V-H, which many say as Yahweh, um, according to the Dictionary of Canadian Terms, the term ineffable means ineffable is not to be expressed in words, too great to be scribed in words, and that, that which must not be spoken. So, in other words, they're basically saying they won't say, they won't say or write G-D, and they won't say Y-H-V-H. They just use the term Yahweh in replace of it as like kind of a cheap knockoff is what I'm gathering here. I could be a little bit off, but it seems that way. Um, we find that the Theosophical Glossary that um, Madame Blavatsky wrote, the esoteric or hidden reason for describing the name of God as, a, as an effable, um, is namely because Kabbalah is considered to be no name and that God is to be androgynous. Now, this is coming straight from the highest level witch on the planet at the time. She even said the name is ineffable because the Kabbalists, the people in the highest level of Jewish witchcraft, consider the name to be what they call no name and for that God to be androgynous. So to give you the actual technical definition, having the characteristics of nature of both male and female, neither specifically feminine nor masculine, suitable to for either sex. Um, remember what I just told you about Baphomet, the goat of Mendez, having both male and female sex organs? See, that's how they believe their God is, this God of this Yahweh, this ineffable named God, both male and female sex organs. Therefore, you could worship it as a god and a goddess, I guess, if you wanted to. It's an abomination is what it is. Because, you know, God created man and, and woman, male and female created he, them. So, this is an abomination of that, which is what you would expect from Satan. A very disturbing account from an ex-psychic who is now a faithful Christian reveals how very important these issues are. Recounting an incident in which this person was asked to do a, quote, reading for friends, meaning like a psychic reading, divination, she stated that although she expected to say the name of Jehovah in this reading, what came forth was the name of Yahweh. She shared her experience with the chanting of the name Yahweh, and it was totally out of her control, meaning she was on demonic autopilot. The wife had grown up a Jehovah's Witness, which I knew. Remember Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness, 
Okay, I remember that cult, okay? But I remember I was trying to do a reading for her while we were sitting on the floor. I was very upset and began to cry and speak Yahweh over and over, not Jehovah. Okay, it upset everyone. I was able, I was unable to stop for a few minutes. Meaning, if she said the word Jehovah, well, she's a Jehovah Witness, I'll please her. But she's not going to be pleased if I say the name Yahweh. Okay. I had never done anything like that before nor after. She had no control over it, though. Okay. So, it makes no sense to this writer that demons would chant what many are referring to as the name of God Almighty. Why would demons chant Yahweh if it wasn't evil? In other words, the demons aren't going to chant, you know, something good. They're going to chant something evil. And they were making her chant Yahweh. We must question what is taking place with these various groups who do not belong to Jesus Christ and promote the use of the name Yahweh. Exodus 6.2 says, And God spoke unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But my name, Jehovah, was not known to them. Meaning it wasn't known to them at the time. But God's saying his name is Jehovah. It is clear this at the time of Exodus 6.3 that this was new information given to Moses which he was, which he was to remember. Not forget. Not like it's some ineffable name that can't ever be said. Like the Jews and many pagan deities and the Hebrew Roots movement will teach you. God did not say his name was ineffable, meaning you can't say it. We are to honor it though. Psalm 29.2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. If you study this subject further, you will find that those deeply involved in the occult and the Kabbalah place a great deal of importance on this subject. So you're in good company if you think that you know Yahweh is the word of is the name of God. I'm saying that sarcastically, because. People that are deeply involved in the occult and the Kabbalah place a great deal of importance on this tetragrammaton, this Yahweh. YHVH, the four-letter tetragrammaton, is supposedly the true name of God of the whole of the Hebrew Scriptures. The tetragrammaton is the central to the doctrines, but the tetragrammaton is also central to the doctrines of both Jewish and esoteric Kabbalistic traditions, where it is equivalent to the four Kabbalistic worlds of creation, the four elements and the four archangels and the four cardinal directions. Christian Kabbalists, now how do you be a Christian Kabbalist? I don't know, but they, I'm sure that they say they exist. Add the letter Shin, rendering this Y-H-S-H, Okay, Y-H-S-H-H, or Yeheshua. So in other words, now they're bringing it to the name of Jesus, the Christian Kabbalists, and they're adding another letter to the whole Y-H-V-H, the letter Shin, which then they can pronounce Jesus as Yeheshua, or a lot of people say Yeshua. I don't touch any of it. I leave it all alone. 
let me tell you, I've been through my share of, of dealing with like witches and warlocks and, and them trying to kill me and, and, you know, demonic entities trying to kill me and stuff like that. And I have always, always, always only had one thing ever pop into my head when those situations happen. And it always works every single time. I just say the name Jesus and it works. I don't have any other name that ever has ever popped into my head in those situations. I mean, what if I would have said the name Buddha? Well, I'd probably be dead. Or Krishna, probably be dead. What if I said the name Yahweh? Probably be dead. I'm not saying God couldn't have spared me, but never did that even occur to me. Because the Holy Spirit at that time convicted me what I needed to do. And it's always worked every time for me. So, these Christian cabals were the first ones that added the shin to the tetragrammaton so they, they could render it as in some kind of way where they're saying Yeheshua as the name of Jesus. So I stay away from all of it. Okay, now, I'm sure I get a lot further into this in the four-part teaching that I posted. This is more of a like a little update to it. I do cover a lot of the same information, though. Kabbalistic doctrine assigns four states of the manifestation of creation in the four letters. The four weapons of ritual magic, the four weapons of ritual magic, symbolize the essence of the letters of the Tetragrammaton. Meaning, this Tetragrammaton is used heavily in Kabbalistic witchcraft, which is very powerful. These also form the basis of the four suits of the Tarot cards. Oh, good. Well, there's no red flags there either. Ancient the ancient tetragrammaton, um, here, is, here is a spelling of that from a Phoenician inscription in stone. The Phoenicians, who were total pagans, were using this YHVH type of thing in their inscriptions from antiquity. These are all gigantic red flags, okay? Here's a book entitled The Tetragrammaton, The Secret to Evoking Angelic Powers and the Key to the Apocalypse by Donald Tyson. And I think in the table of contents it says, in Western magic, the Tetragrammaton is the holiest name of God. Western magic, okay? So there is a total huge red flag contradiction, okay? It is comprised of the four letters... I-H-V-H. Now, in this particular thing, they're using I instead of Y. Okay, you, but they're interchangeable, evidently. And is the occult key that unlocks the meaning behind the astrological symbolism, the tarot cards, tarot cards, however you want to say it, the mysteries of the Old Testament, and the book of Revelation, which is all lies. Okay. It also unlocks the Kabbalah and the Enochian magic of John D and the modern ritual magic. This is all unlocked through this tetragrammaton, this cult of Yahwehism. Again, I think I'm not going to have anything to do with none of this stuff. No, no, no. Extensive information about it can be found in Donald Tyson's Tetragrammaton, The Secret to Evoking Angelic Powers book. Um, Tyson discusses at great length the connections between the Tetragrammaton and pretty much every other occult system one can even think of. 
And we have people bringing this into Christianity like it's something holy. Or like you've got to only use Hebrew names for God. It's a lie. It's a trap. If all you ever had was your King James Bible, you would never come to that conclusion on your own. You had to have some other devil put that thought in your head. This is the basis on how cults get started, guys. I'm not yelling at my listeners. I'm just saying I've been caught up in this garbage too in the past. So it makes me angry. The table below provides a partial summary um, of this whole thing. And it, it divides the, the tetragrammaton. In this case, they're using IHVH and they're using it. Oh, what element does it represent? Fire, water, air, earth. It depends on the letter and then the direction, east, west, south, north. And these are all things that are very, very important in witchcraft. Okay. What tarot suit does it represent? Well, the I represents wands, like magic wands. The H represents cups, like magic cups. The V represents magic swords. And the H represents pentacles, which are five-pointed stars. And then the astro astrological quality. It's all in here if you want to look at the chart, you know. Another occult site says, One key to the minor arcana... The whole tarot, when viewed in one aspect, is the tetragrammaton, or the four-letter name, I-H-V-H. The Bible ascribes peculiar power to this name. Um, well, the problem is, is the Bible doesn't use this name, okay? You're saying it does, but it doesn't. Uh, then, Kabbalistic tradition. Now, the name of God, yes, I'm not saying that's not powerful. The Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah God, okay, you're going to get no argument from me. But this tetragrammaton, this whole Yahweh religion thing, and the Kabbalah, thats you don't want to mess with any of that. Kabbalistic tradition says that whoever can pronounce it, meaning the ineffable name, will be able to exercise limitless power. Why? Because that's witchcraft. Okay? To, because it's from the Kabbalah. Okay? To pronounce the tetragrammaton in the occult sense is to be conscious and able to express its inner meaning. The word is a cipher concealing and yet revealing profound mysteries of all occult doctrine and important secrets to magical practice. This is like the chief cornerstone of witchcraft. This whole subject. That's why you don't want to mess with it. Here's an occult jewelry site that makes occult jewelry. And you can buy your tetragrammaton occult pendants. And I give you pictures of two of them. Okay? They're both five-pointed stars, pentacles, with, with really pentagrams when it's in a circle. And one says, um, well, there it's it's all in, I think a lot of it's in Hebrew, but it says it's his tetragrammaton are around the around the borders, both of them. Okay, oh, and um the tetragrammaton is what the cabals use instead of God's name. Okay, so it says it right there. YHVH or IHVH, the tetragrammaton is what cabalists, the pre the the practitioners of high-level Jewish witchcraft, that's the name they use instead of God's real name. Which is sacred and secret. They're saying. Okay. That's the whole ineffable name thing. It means four-letter name of God. 
which is Yod, He, Ve, uh, whatever. Anyway, Yod stands for the male figure God, and He, Va, He stands for the female figure. Oh, really? Oh, well, then we get back to that whole androgynous thing, like Baphomet, having both male and female sex organs and sexual characteristics. See, that's all contained in the Tetragrammaton. The Yod stands for the male part, okay? The, the first part, the Yod, the Y, and then the He, or the HVH, uh, stands for the female God figure. Thus, this is an androgynous force. This is, you couldn't get any more polar opposite of the God of the Bible or the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're trying to commingle this and con you into thinking that this is like Father God of the Bible. I'm here to warn you that's not the case. And hopefully I've given you enough information right now for you to never touch this stuff with a 10-foot pole. That last sentence that I just said is gigantic. And the occultists know this. The first letter stands for the male god figure. And the next three in the tetragrammaton of the fourth thing, the HVH stands for the female god figure. Thus, it is an androgynous force set around a pentagram. When this is set around a pentagram, this is the most powerful sign in Western occult magical tradition. So if you saw a witch wearing this around her neck, a pentagram with the name Tetragrammaton around the, the pentagram co and, and, and it commingled in it, that's a very, very, they're saying this is the most powerful sign of Western occult magical tradition. So I, that's, that's saying quite a bit. Um, this and then this is the advertisement for these pieces of jewelry the tetragrammaton solid with stones here the tetragrammaton contains a large central moonstone and five elemental stones at the points of the pentagrams this symbol is generally considered to be the most powerful in ceremonial magic containing protective qualities of the pentagram well it's protective from a witchcraft standpoint okay two circles signifying the microcosm and the macrocosm and the creative force which is the whole androgynous thing commingled now here we go let's go further this is from an occultic site devoted to promoting the tetragrammaton and this is um from it's it's actually yhwhhouse.com now it starts out by saying star dove readers now the star doves okay are these and I, I don't know if they're still around or not. I don't know if they've died. But they're these two um, elderly, high-level witchcraft people. Okay. And their actual headquarters was up here. It's up here in North Carolina. And in fact, I went there to pray against them. I found them by accident on a prayer. It wasn't really by accident because God led me there, I'm sure. But it was, it was, I found them almost by accident on a prayer trip I was taking with Taylor when we were, this was when we were up here, probably like the first few years that we were up here. These are the people that went around with their groups and they would open up these demonic portals thinking they're doing humanity some great service. 
what they're trying to do, just like they did with the Babylonian working and the Alam Troth working, um, is open portals into this plane of existence where devils and demons and fallen angels can come through into our plane of existence and to defile our planet and our people to a greater degree. They think they're doing some wonderful, great thing in helping humanity out. They're doing the exact opposite. So, I actually went there and almost found it by accident. Of course, I, I do believe God led us there. We were on a prayer trip, Taylor and I, and we got there, and I just so happened to see it on the right-hand side, and I pulled over, because I and I had to pull over in this building across the street, and there was a Baptist church right across from it. And there wasn't a lot else around either. And I remember when we were praying against the Stardove place, we were in the Baptist parking lot, and I looked outside my window and I had all these like gnats circling, like this big gigantic swarm of gnats circling right outside my window as I was as we were praying. I, I think we had the windows up because whatever, but um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. I'll, I'll just I, I had, I've said that before in the past, but it kind of like when I saw the stardust, I'm like, oh man, I almost forgot about them. I'll tell you, there is a lot of occult stuff and occult groups in the mountains of Western North Carolina. And I believe that's a big reason why God had us move up here. Because over the years, I have went out either with Taylor or with my listener, Greg, and we have prayed against these places. And most of the praying that we've done has been in the Western North Carolina mountains. Why? Because they seek the high places. And, there, and there's also some type of very, very... Um, very important occult aspect that attracts witches to this area i don't know if it's ley lines i don't know if it's the mineral content in the earth i don't know whether I, there, there could be a lot of reasons there's a lot of paranormal activity that goes on here there's a lot of ufo sightings there's a lot of uh, bigfoot sightings there's a lot of underground bases i'm more on like the foothills but I'm telling you, man, this place is a hotbed for it. And we had been praying that day, Taylor and I, and we came off this mountain, and I almost found like this place just kind of popped up, and I was so happy because I had been meaning to pray against this place. And we found it. I, I couldn't believe it. Okay, now I went to their website. I haven't been on their website in a long time, and they've, they've, uh, yeah, there's, they're going. Um, Stardoves, you just can't Stardoves one word in the and you'll see. I mean, this is the this is the just most insane. I mean, absolutely totally insane. I don't even know where to begin on this as far as the occult underpinnings of this. I, I don't even want to get into it. It's it's so bad though. It's just so insanely incredible. This um, this this little paragraph I'm going to read you was from them, the Stardoves, okay? It's the Stardove readers. When you get the time, or if you should run across a copy of the great Masonic book, out of print, but available at many used bookstores on the internet, called Morals and Dogma, written in 1865 by high-level Luciferian Albert Pike, and I added that Luciferian part, but he was, he was a Satanist, Albert Pike, 33rd degree, Grand Mason of the Southern Jurisdiction of Masons 
Now, he is the guy that was responsible for giving credit for single-handedly resurrecting and keeping Freemasonry going when there was a time when it was being exposed. He is the only Confederate general with a statue of him inside the city limits of Washington, D.C. It just got torn down during the riots from Antifa and Black Lives Matter, but Trump made it a point to, to set that one up as quickly as possible. I just found out the other day his body was buried there in Washington, D.C., but they disinterred his body. And they they reinterred it in the grand Freemasonic capital that's like 13 blocks due north of the Capitol building. It's like it's like the it'd be like the capital for all Freemasonry, at least in America. Okay, it's where you have to go if, if, as you're a 33rd degree Freemason and drink wine out of a real human skull to get your 33rd degree uh, Freemasonic thing. Billy Graham was seen doing it and a lot of other people were seen doing it there. They, they reinterred Albert Pike's body in that grand Freemasonic building. They didn't want him in the ground. They wanted him in the building. This is one of the most wicked men that has ever walked the planet. Okay. There's two versions of morals and dogma. That there's an esoteric and an es ex exoteric. The exoteric is the one that the regular Freemason or the ones that they'll release, maybe if, if you can find one. The esoteric version is much rarer. And the esoteric is the one that tells you that we worship Lucifer and, you know, that type of stuff. Okay. Anyway, he says on page 697. Now, he's not making that distinction here. Maybe he doesn't know about both versions. I don't know. He says on page 697, in the 28th degree of the Knight of the Sun, Prince Adept, in Freemasonry, it says, the true word of the Mason is found in the concealed and profound meaning of the ineffable name of deity. There we go with this ineffable name. We're seeing it in high-level Jewish witchcraft, Kabbalism. We're seeing it in the whole Yahweh cult. We're seeing it in the Hebrew Roots movement. We're seeing it in high-level witchcraft. And now we're seeing it in Freemasonry. So the true word of the Mason is to be found in the concealed and profound meaning of the ineffable name deity, communicated by God to Moses. That's a lie, but anyway. Which meaning was long lost by the very precautions taken to conceal it. In that meaning is included all the truth that can be known by us in regard to the nature of God. All total lies, but anyway. In communication to Moses, name, in communication to Moses, the name Yad He Vahe, or this Tetragrammaton, is given to Moses as the name of God. And it says, YHVH says to him, I am that I am. So, occultists, and it doesn't matter what sect, if you're into high level occultism, you're most likely going to be obsessed with this whole cult of Yahwehism and the whole Tetragrammaton thing. And this is why I say stay away from it. You don't need it. It's not necessary. It's the whole thing about the word occult means hidden. 
Okay, it's this whole thing about, oh, it's the ineffable name. Oh, you can't pronounce it. But if you ever did pronounce it, you could rule the universe and all this other stuff. And this constant quest for occult knowledge more, 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 and more. God's not that way. Jesus doesn't try to hide stuff and, you know, so that you can't know the way to life eternal. He makes it very plain, clear, and abundant. For those that have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. For those that are willing to humble themselves and admit that I can't earn my way to heaven. Can't do it. There's no works that I can do where I can ever work my way to heaven. But see, all these other occult belief systems, you're always working and working and working to attain higher levels of magic and higher levels of, of enlightenment and, and Luciferian enlightenment and all this other garbage. And all it's going to do is end you up in, in hell in the lake of fire. And every single level you go deeper, you're just in more bondage to Satan. And you're more of a slave to Satan. You're not being enlightened anymore. You're just being entrapped more. God system's the exact opposite. So, uh, I, I don't know if, if I did a good job on that. I, it just, it's a very complex kind of subject. But hopefully, I've said enough where you've got a decent idea that you want to stay away from this stuff. Okay? Now, linking all this up, I'm going to just briefly cover the subject of Maitreya. Because you got the Jews screaming out for the Mo Mo Moshiach, okay, who is the Antichrist, who they're saying Hashem will bring. And who is Hashem? Well, they're saying Hashem is basically Yahweh. Now, I want to refresh your memory. I said all the Yahweh stuff, okay? The ineffable name, the Tetragrammaton. Let me read you. When they were, when all those rabbis in that video, that five-minute video that I skipped through, they the rabbis were in particularly invoking Hashem to bring forth the Moshiach, the the awaited Antichrist. Okay. And what is Hashem? Let me give you that again. Hashem means the name in Hebrew. When reading the Torah, praying Jews who come across the name of God transliterated, they say as Y H W H or the Tetragrammaton. They substitute, they substitute the word Adonai. In other contexts and in casual conversation, Jews who encounter God's name will substitute Hashem instead. But there's no biblical reason to use Hashem in the first place in the name of God. So, but Hashem is the title most commonly used by Jews to refer to God's supposedly holy personal name, Yahweh. Sometimes they'll use the word Adonai as a substitute, but Hashem is most commonly used by Jews to refer to God's, they believe God's holy personal name. It's not though, Yahweh. Now, what I did is I went back to that portion of, of the PDF and I corrected or actually added to it because I had left out of the first portion that it is this, Hashem is the title most commonly used by Jews to refer to God's holy personal name, Yahweh. But there is nothing holy about this name, as you will see from the information below, which we just covered. Okay. Um, 
and that's what you've got to understand is they're basically calling upon some pagan deity in order to bring about the arrival of the antichrist if you actually break down the etymology of these worlds and do a study like we just did they're not calling upon the god of the bible they're calling upon some pagan deity the storm god or whatever or whatever derivation it's evolved into now to bring about the arrival, which actually would be who you'd want to call upon you wouldn't want to call upon the god of the bible to do that so i i hope that you're understanding now that we brought it full circle i did the prayer thing with the with the rabbis and this call to prayer they're literally calling upon a pagan deity to bring about the arrival of the antichrist okay they're moshiach they're a weighted savior okay we did a whole study on the tetragrammaton showing you what that is now we're gonna we're gonna do a brief study on maitreya now i'm not saying maitreya is their awaited um savior i'm not saying he is but i've never wavered in this in all the years i've been teaching on maitreya and i've never had to go back and say oh well i was wrong Share International is a United Nations sponsored website that has sponsored Maitreya and pushed him since the beginning. Decades and decades of this. Okay. Website's still up. And I'm not saying he's the Antichrist, but I do believe he's going to play, if bare minimum, some part in the whole end time deception. Now, I'm going to let Share International speak on behalf of who they say Maitreya is. I entitled this part, Will Maitreya Answer the Satanic Call and Appear Soon? Who is Maitreya, a.k.a. Devil Betraya? That's what I like to refer to him as. What is the great invocation? Hmm. Is that like a mass witchcraft prayer? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Isn't that what the Jews are doing right now? Yeah, it is. You see why I wanted to tie all this together, guys? Because, see, I, I all this stuff's coming into my head is I see this, this stuff about Maitreya appearing. And I'm like, man, I've heard this, this before. I've talked about this before. I'm not saying it's Maitreya. But it could be. And it could be Maitreya appearing with a lot of his buddies at the same time we're gonna we're gonna talk about that now this is from the wicked un sponsored share international website that you can go to right now just can't share international you can find the exact same information i'm reading you here's what they say many now expect the return of their awaited teacher whether they call him the christ the messiah the fifth buddha krishna or imam mani which is who the muslims were waiting for the krishna is who the Hindus are waiting for Buddha. The fifth Buddha is who the Buddhists are waiting for. The Messiah is the one that the Jews are waiting for. And the Christ is the one Christians are waiting for. Okay? Jesus Christ. He's calling himself all those things. Millions now know that the one who fulfills these expectations, known as Maitreya, the world teacher, is already living among us and gradually emerging into full public recognition. Maitreya is the teacher for all humanity those of all spiritual traditions and those who follow no particular faith he does not come as a religious leader but as an educator in the broadest sense 
Maitreya has not come alone, but with a group of wise men. And these are the ascended masters that he says he's coming with. Which it's kind of funny because when the, the the UFOs, the people that have gotten abducted say, you know, when they do make their big debut, the ascended masters are going to appear with the UFOs and they're going to uh, deceive all humanity. Now, I'm not saying that's the way it's going to go down. I'm saying that they say it is. Some form of that. These group of wise men, also called the masters of wisdom, who have long worked from behind the scenes as inspirers, teachers, and guides of humanity. They are returning to everyday world to help us solve our most critical global problems. See, they always appear in the most flowery, wonderful light. Always will present themselves that way. So who is Maitreya, according to Share International? He has been expected for generations by all major religions. Christians know him as the Christ and expect his imminent return. The Jews await him as the Messiah or the Moshiach. Okay, That's what they're praying for. Hindus look for the coming of Krishna. Buddhists expect him as the Maitreya Buddha. And Muslims anticipate the Imam Mahdi or their Messiah. Although the names are different, many believe they all refer to the same individual, the world teacher whose personal name is Maitreya. Preferring to be simply known as the teacher, Maitreya has not come as a religious leader or to found a new religion, but as a teacher and a guide for people of every religion and those of no religion. So in other words, he'll appeal to everybody, which if you think about it, the one world religion under Antichrist has kind of got to appeal to everybody. I mean, at least if you're not a born-again Christian. It's going to pretty much have a little bit of everything for you. It's going to be an amalgamation, most likely, of all the different religions in the world. But as it's the, the um, power source of all of that will be witchcraft. That, that will be what really is the thing that, that gives it its power. Okay? Signs and line wonders and miracles and these types of things in that regard. We're going to talk about that more. All right, so let's go further. Uh, <clears throat> At the time of great political and economic and social crisis, Maitreya will inspire humanity to see itself as one family and create a civilization based on sharing, economic, and social justice and global cooperation. Now, what are we going into right now? What, what are they openly saying they're going to use COVID-19 as to bring us about? Well, not only the depopulation agenda, but they're saying they're going to use it as the, um, as the, I don't know, the linchpin for the Great Reset, according to Charles Schwab. We're going to be moving into a time, and most likely just this year alone, and not to say we weren't moving into it last year, but of great political, economic, and social crisis that we haven't known since probably the Great Depression. I've always said that when the Antichrist and the false prophet make their big debut, it's going to come under most likely maximum world chaos because they're going to come as the men of peace with all the answers. They're going to confirm the covenant with Israel and many nations for seven years. They're going to come as men of peace, appearingly. They're going to look like they have all the answers. They're going to come and try to, and they're going to be able to solve all the great political, economic, and social crises, even though they're really not going to do that. But they're going to appear to be the ones that have all the answers. They're going to come at a time when humanity is at most desperate for a savior. Now, they're creating an environment 
with the Great Reset, with COVID-19, of maximum desperation for humanity. People are, are more desperate now, and only, it's only going to get worse as the jobs continue to disappear, as more legal aliens pour in, I'm just talking about America, as more lockdowns occur, as more social distancing occur, as more mask mandates are, are implemented, as more vaccine mandates are, are implemented, as more rights are stripped, as gas prices start to, to climb, as the money be, continues to be more devalued, as we undergo more and more occult rituals, as more natural disasters and man-made disasters occur and more false flag events happen, we're going to, and I believe this year, see things that we've never really seen before in our lifetime, with, especially with Biden at the helm. Well, that is the perfect environment. We're moving toward a situation where we're creating the perfect environment for the Antichrist and the false prophet to make their big arrival. Now, whether it's Maitreya or someone else, I don't know. But we are moving in that direction. So it's all this lies and fluff. He's going to inspire humanity to see itself as one family and create a civilization based on sharing economic and social justice. All lies in the pit of hell and global cooperation. Yes, as you totally depopulate the planet. He will launch a call to action to save millions of people who starve to death every year in the world of plenty. Now, that may be the case initially in order to put his best foot forward in order to gain trust of humanity. Maybe that will happen. It wouldn't surprise me. Among Matreya's recommendations will be a shift in social priorities so that adequate food, housing, clothing, education, and medical care become universal rights. Yeah. So again, he's going to come. It's going to be like the biggest, greatest communistic system that the world has ever known. Under Matreya's inspiration, humanity will make the required changes and create a saner and more just world for all. Now, this sounds like the playbook of the Antichrist to me. If you were trying to gain the trust of humanity, isn't this what you would do? Now, again, I'm not saying it's Betraya, but somebody's going to follow that playbook. Then we have this, known as the Great Invocation. Hmm, the Great Invocation? What is this? Well, the Great Invocation, and this is from Betraya's website, is a world prayer based upon truths common to all religions. It has been translated into more than 75 languages and dialects and is used daily by tens of thousands of men and women of all faiths who wish to bring about the right human relations and lasting peace. This is all lies from the pit of hell. It's about it's to bring about the arrival of Maitreya. Okay, that's what it is actually about. There's different definitions of invocation. Okay, but I the, the definition I like is a formula for conjuring, like an incantation, because this is witchcraft. Okay, I think that's the most applicable definition for the word invocation that we're looking here, a formula for conjuring. This is mass witchcraft. Okay, remember what the one lady said, you got to keep doing the rituals if you're involved in the occult. You got to keep doing the rituals. And this is part of the rituals. Okay. So. This is basically a prayer that's been out for decades to bring about the arrival of Maitreya. And what, and, and I'll just, I'll read you some of it from the point of light 
within the mind of God. Let light stream forth in the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. I mean, all this fluffy garbage, new age garbage. And then it says, may, may Christ return to earth. Remember, he says he's the Christ. Oh, well, that means Maitreya. May Maitreya turn to earth. And then it says, from the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the wills of little, the little wills of men. Oh, the purpose which the masters know and serve, meaning these ascended masters, these fallen angels in human-like form. Okay. It's just, it's such garbage. I don't even want to read it to you, but it's, it's you can read it if you want. Anyway. Um, after this is uh, th this prayer said, it says the Christ Himself used this great mantra for the first time in June 1945 when he announced to his brothers, meaning Maitreya announced to the ascended master brothers, the masters of wisdom, that he was ready to return to the world at the earliest possible moment as soon as humanity took the first steps toward sharing and cooperation for the general good. What he really means is as soon as humanity is maximally demon infested and possessed, then he's going to make his big debut. And we remember all the stuff that we just went over about all these different reasons why people are just totally blind and demon infested. That's what Maitreya is really waiting on. For maximum demon possession of humanity where he can have carte blanche to return to earth. And have a legal right to be here. Everything, you have to understand, everything the devil tells you, it's the opposite. So that's how you have to interpret all this garbage that I'm reading you. Okay, so going forward here, um, he was ready to return to the world at the earliest possible moment as soon as humanity took the first steps toward sharing and cooperation for the general good. The great invocation was given to humanity by Maitreya, he calls himself the Christ, and I call him Devil Betraya, as a potent technique of invoking the energies which would transform the world and prepare for his coming, meaning it's mass witchcraft. Now, hold on. Is it that the whole thing that's taking place on um, February 21st with all the Jews, they're saying all the ones to come together and invoke the um, Moshiach, the Antichrist, their, their awaited Antichrist? That's Because that's what he is. Well, that's mass witchcraft, too. We're going to talk about more mass witchcraft next. That um, the new apostolic uh, is, is also on board with. And I believe a lot of... of Christians who call themselves Christians are going to be on this same exact train praying for the same exact thing before too long. That we are in the time of strong delusion. That they will believe a lie. That they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth but a pleasure and a righteousness. And that falling away that the Bible talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 of the church. The apostia apostasy okay it's not a falling away a rapture falling away okay that's apostasy okay of the church and that wicked capital w be revealed that's where we're at right now we're right on the cusp of it who knows when it might happen
we urge you to use this prayer daily and encourage others to do so on behalf of humanity. And the more you pray this prayer, the more mass witchcraft is going out and the more demon infested you will become and the more blind you will become. Now, let's go further. What happens when he actually finally does come? Well, that's called the day of declaration. Okay. What is that? Well, Maitreya will be invited by international media to speak directly to the entire world through the television networks linked by satellites. On this day of declaration, we will see... Now, here's the reason I'm, re I'm reading all this to you is because I've had people over the years say, I don't believe Maitreya is the Antichrist. And I'm like, he might not be, but he's probably going to play some part. And here's the deal. What if I never told you about Maitreya? And this does happen. He's the only dude the United Nations has ever openly sponsored and World Goodwill, which is also linked up with the United Nations. He's the only guy they've ever sponsored and pointed to openly and overtly that I am aware of. What if I never told you any of this stuff and it goes down and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I never heard about this. Well, then that I'm responsible for that because you're my, I want you to, at least, in other words, I want you to at least be aware if this scenario goes down, I don't want my listeners to get caught flat-footed. And I haven't covered this subject in a long time. You can key in Maitreya or their knockoff Jesus called Master Jesus in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've done tons of studies on this. And they're just as applicable today as they were when I did them. It's not like they're dated. That information is just as applicable. This is a little more updated because of, you know, the day and time we're living in. But I want you to be aware of this. Now, day of declaration. Betrayal will be invited by international media to speak directly to the entire world through the television networks linked by satellites. On this day of declaration, we will see his face on television on the television screen wherever we have access. The biblical statement, all eyes will see him. See, they're admitting right there that their God is so weak, there's no way they can pull that off where Jesus said, all eyes will see me and every knee will bow and those types of things. See, God can pull that off. Satan can't. So he's going to say, well, you got your TVs. So you'll, you'll see it. So that fulfills the Bible verse where it says, all eyes will see him. This is how pathetic they are. But they're openly admitting it. It'll fulfill the biblical statement, all eyes will see him. That will be fulfilled. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, whatever. In the only way in which it can be fulfilled. Why? Because we have TVs? Oh, no, because you're not God and you don't have that type of omniscient, omnipotent power that the Lord Jesus Christ and Father God have, is what you're saying. You got to use a TV. <laughs> How pathetic. Anyway... We will see his face, but he will not speak. His thoughts, his ideas, his call to humanity for justice, sharing, right relationships, and peace will take place silently and telepathically. This is going to be mass telepathy on a mass witchcraft scale like we have never known. Now, are they going to use voice to skull? Are they going to combine this with a lot of the technologies that we've got now? that they use like when they gang stalk people, V2K, Voice to Skull, and, and all that other stuff that they're doing. Are they going to use 5G and 6G and all the other tech? Probably. Are they going to do Project Blue Beam where you'll see big old UFOs up in the sky? Maybe they're holographic projections. Maybe they're real. I don't know. 
I don't know. But I'm telling you, if you want to get maximum impact, if you were Satan, that's probably what you would do. Then um, each of us will hear him in, inwardly in our own language. In this way, will he will reenact a word on a worldwide scale the true happenings of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Notice how the only thing that Maitreya cares about doing is being a knockoff or some lying fulfillment of scripture he doesn't care about buddhism or krishna or um any of the other false lying devil cults islam he doesn't care he only references the bible isn't that funny because that's really all he cares about is really he, everyone else is already totally deceived he wants to make sure that any few christians that are remaining with faith that he destroys their faith so whether it's him that's doing this or some other devil I'm here to give you a heads up so that don't happen to you. He'll reenact on a worldwide scale the true happenings of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. At the same time, the energy which he embodies, the Christ principle, the energy of love will flow out in tremendous potency through all the hearts of humanity. He has said, quote, it will be as if I embrace the world, people will feel it even physically. This will evoke an intuitive, heartfelt response to the message. It's kind of funny because all these same people are going to turn into total savages against the Christians. Oh, but we're going to be so filled with love. We're going to just love everybody. Except those Christians, we're going to kill them all. Behead them, chop their heads off, kill them, torture them. Because we're so full of love. We're so full of love and Maitreya. Think about that. So tolerant. I mean, I'm just say, saying what the Bible says about those that don't receive the mark of the beast. That's where this is all going. I, I just like to point out the, the hypocrisy of the whole thing. Then, simultaneously, on the outer physical plane, there will be hundreds of thousands of miracle healings throughout the planet. Whoa! Now you're really going to get some attention hmm don't worry i'm getting i'm gonna do a little bible study next on this hundreds of thousands of miracle healings do you realize that how many people just in that one day from this one experience if this does go down will buy into this whole lie hook line and sicker people that call themselves christians their whole lives even though they really weren't a lot of them are going to fall away this is the real essence of the strong delusion if you ask me i think we're in the strong delusion the beginnings of it now but i think if this does go down if god permits this to happen it's going to be a whole other level God's going to separate the, the sheep from the goats and his sheep hear him and they know his voice. And if, you, if, if you're hearing this voice and you're thinking it's God, you're not his sheep. I'm sorry. And I'm not saying that to my listeners. I'm telling you ahead of time so you're not deceived. Be not deceived, Jesus said about the end times in Matthew 24. Hundreds of thousands of miracle healings throughout the planet. In these, in these three ways, we will know that Maitreya is the world teacher and come for all groups, religious and non-religious alike. 
our response to this experience will determine the entire future of the planet. Betrayal will present us with a choice. Either we continue as we are now in the old, greedy, selfish, complacent ways of the past and destroy ourselves, or we accept the principle of sharing, accept we are one, and begin the creation of a civilization such as this world has never yet seen. Though we'll bring you to death in the lake of fire. Isn't that wonderful? Betrayal already knows our answer. He said, quote, my heart tells me your answer, your choice, and is glad. Well, yeah, he's right. Because the most of the world, the vast majority, will accept him. Whether it's Maitreya or the Antichrist, some other person is the Antichrist. Now, straight from his website. Now, what do I say? I want to try to get through this quick because I want to make sure this is together. The Bible says the Antichrist and the false prophet will deceive the world through signs, line wonders, and miracles. Where? Well, I put all these verses together. Okay, I've been meaning to do this for a long time. 2 Thessalonians 8 and 9. And then that wicked shall be revealed, capital W, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, the wicked being revealed could be the day of declaration. If that is, if Maitreya is the Antichrist. If. If. Okay. But if the Antichrist comes in some form that Maitreya is describing, that would be the day he would be revealed. That would be his day of declaration. Next verse. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. What, like hundreds of thousands of miracles? Healings happening throughout the planet on the same day? Would that fall under signs and lying wonders? I'd say so. Yeah. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will, that they should believe a lie, and that they, that they might all be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And anyone that is embracing this day of declaration, you're in that category. Now, I'm not saying God can't save you, but you're not in a good spot. If you if you accept Maitreya on the day of declaration. And I dare I say most Christians will. They call themselves Christians. They're Christians really in name only. Because they, they're just lukewarm. And they don't really have any true love for the truth. And I don't, I don't say that like I'm Mr. Perfect either. I'm just saying it's just look around. It's kind of evident. Okay, then we have Revelation 19.20. Uh, which says, and the beast was taken, meaning the Antichrist, and and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with them that deceived them, with them that he, with which he deceived them. Meaning, the miracles that the false prophet did was how he deceived them. At least it was one of the ways. with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive in a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So that is that is the um, future of the Antichrist and false prophet. That's the future of Maitreya, whether he's the Antichrist or not. Revelation 13, 11 through, uh, or I'm sorry, Revelation 13, 11 through uh, 17. 
And I beheld another beast come up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And this is the Antichrist. And he exerciseth all power of the first beast before him. And causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. I'm sorry, the, the other beast um, was the uh, false prophet. Okay. And, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causeth, causeth the earth and them which dwell thereon to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, the first beast whose deadly wound was healed is the Antichrist. Next verse, Revelation 13, 13. And he doeth great wonders, so that he make fire cometh down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, this is the false prophet. Okay. Says he, do, he does great wonders. So we should be expecting that. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, the first beast, the Antichrist. So he's going to deceive them that dwell on the earth primarily by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the first beast. So don't underestimate the signs, line, wonders, and miracles. That is going to be the primary way that humanity, if, if, if they, in other words, if they were, um, if they were on the fence, the miracles and signs and lying wonders are what's going to get them over into Satan's camp. According to what the word of God says. Not me, but the word of God's very clear on this. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should both speak and... And cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell or save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of this name. Now, this is most likely going to take place probably somewhere near the midpoint of the tribulation. All the stuff that we just talked about here in Revelation 13. So... For all those that think that we're in the tribulation, okay, because I keep seeing this still over and over, you got to ask yourself, is any of this even remotely happening right now? You see the Antichrist, the false prophet doing this yet? I, I sure don't. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. I'm sorry, guys. I just don't. We're not even in the tribulation yet. The temple hasn't been rebuilt. They haven't confirmed the covenant with many for a week which starts off the tribulation. The Antichrist hasn't even arisen yet. The wicked has not been revealed yet. So, you know, just so you know. All right, now um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I'm out of time here. I'm going to go ahead and start then. Uh, stop here and we will go to part three next. God bless you.